to get away from the hustle and bustle of this crazy ass life? Yeah, me too. Do you want to connect with like-minded women, get free, heal in the jungles of Costa Rica? Yep, me too. And that's why I'm so excited to announce the Good Vibe Retreat. Yes, we are doing our first retreat in Costa Rica and we just announced all the details on our website. So make sure you go to goodmomsbadchoices.com to fill out the survey. The deadline is this Friday. Yes, ladies, September 24th. You have till September 24th to fill out the survey so that we can hand select a group of amazing women to join us for two retreats in Costa Rica in February. I'm so excited. I'm leaving the details of everything you need to know to sign up in the description of this episode. I'll see you in the jungle. Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. And it's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, y'all. Happy Wednesday. How are you feeling today, my love? Don't ask me that question. I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) I've slept two hours, so, you know, I'm running on fumes, but I'm here and I'm about to wake the fuck up because I'm about to learn a lot about, you know, my stank ass attitude. So, (laughs) well, yes, I hope to learn more about your attitude too, my dear. We're really excited because today we have Sandra on from Family Personalities Podcast. Hi, Sandra. Hi, it's actually Sandra. Sandra, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's much classier, Sandra. And I'm really, really happy to be here. I didn't know you guys existed before the podcast movement conference where I met you and have been listening to a few episodes, watching what you guys do. And I just really love that you guys are living life unapologetically and then putting it out there publicly and giving other women and people permission to do the same. Not that we need permission, but you know what I mean? Like it gives, when there's an example out there, it makes you feel like you have permission to live your life your own way too. So I just, I think what you guys are doing is incredible and I'm honored to be here on your podcast with you. Oh, thank you so much. Shout out to the podcast movement for connecting the dots on so many amazing women, including you. It's cool to like be able to connect with people you probably wouldn't have otherwise. So I'm so excited to be able to like bring you on and be in your realm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and what you do over at Family Personalities? Yeah. So I work with personality type in the family setting. And specifically, I use the Myers-Briggs personality type model. But on the podcast, we talk Enneagram too, because that's a really incredible, like very deep, almost like when you find your type, you almost feel like that like breaks you a little bit inside. (laughs) And then you have to like put yourself back together. But I bring that into the family to help with parenting and also just to help with like a peaceful family dynamic. So we talk about that on the podcast. I also work directly with families. And most recently, I've started working with teenagers too. I did some workshops at the high school last week. And I just help people understand themselves and the people around them better using personality type. Awesome. I think it's so important. You know, this month is September, is back to school September and all month we've been, you know, wanting to really 
learn new things. And, you know, last week we had an episode with Sylvia Ancestral. If you guys haven't checked that out, I highly recommend. We had our kids' natal charts read, and it was very, very insightful. And obviously that's more in the space of, like, the spiritual realm. And what you do is a lot more, I think, just, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, cerebral? (laughs) Or, like, these are, like, foundational reasons why you are like this. And I took a Meyer Briggs test we were talking before we started the episode. I took one years ago. I don't recall. I can't remember where I was or what I, you know, was assigned to. So I'm really interested to know where me and Mila fall on the Meyer Briggs spectrum. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, the, the Meyer Briggs model. <laughs> I guess. Model. Yeah. Call it. Yeah. Speaking of your guys's chart reading last time, I didn't get to listen to the whole episode, but I started listening to it. And I think I'm not sure if it was Mila or Erica. I'm thinking it was Mila. One of you guys said something that like really stuck with me about we are the bearer of souls. So we're bringing our children's souls into the world and then we have to figure out how to parent them. And that like hit home for me so much because I don't know what I was expecting when I had kids. Maybe I just thought there was just going to be like little miniature versions of me running around. But I am constantly like, who are you? And I'm surprised by how they need such different things from me than I needed from my parents and how figuring that out can be quite challenging. So that's a lot of what I like to do is you can use personality type to really understand who are you and what do you need and how is that different from what I need? And then, you know, I can kind of use that to shift how I'm coming at them and relating to them. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. I think it's even like parenting yourself too. Like I think that these kinds of conversations and models and, you know, breaking down the different I guess, elements of who we are really help us even better understand what we need because we'd be thinking like, oh, I know I need this to feel good. And then it's like, "Mm, it's not really working so good for you. Maybe you need to try something different. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to to see like if there's ways that I can shift in the way that I parent myself and treat myself Mm -hmm. that would be healthier and more effective for that so that I can be, you know, an effective and, you know, high functioning parent, human, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. all those things. So I'm excited. I confess one time I like went on an interview for this woman and I, she was, I don't know what she did. I remember she was like a motivational speaker, but it was like an assistant job and she made me take the test and I was so irritated because I felt judged in the test because, you know, they ask you all those very specific questions. I'm like, she's going to judge me based on this test. She doesn't even know me yet. So I've always had like a preconceived notion of what this test meant, you know? Mm. So I'm interested and like open to finding out again, not in a job interview space. Right. Not where you're being judged as whether you, which Myers-Briggs should never, ever, ever be used to decide what someone can or can't do. And we'll talk a little bit more about why, but they should not be using that in a job interview situation because we are human and we can do anything. We can stretch and use all parts of ourselves. And I hate when I hear that it's being used for that. It should be used to grow, not to limit. True. Right. Maybe that's why I was pissed. (laughs) Um, So before we get started, we always ask our guests to bring an affirmation with them for the day for our listeners. Do you have an affirmation for us today? Yeah, kind of going from what we were just talking about, that I am worthy just as I am. Hmm. I I am worthy worthy just just as I am. I I love that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I needed to hear that today. You want to get into the card? 
So today I pulled the Four of Pentacles. Sandra, we always pull a tarot card also at the top of the episode just to see what's going on with the mystics. Let's hear it. The Four of Pentacles is about saving money, security, conservatism, and scarcity and control. The Four of Pentacles asks you to examine your relationship with money. Are you accumulating wealth and investing your money wisely while still enjoying your day-to-day life? Or are you desperately clinging to every coin, afraid to spend your money for fear that you could not have enough or could lose it forever? In its most positive state, the Four of Pentacles suggests that you have created wealth and abundance by maintaining a steady focus on your goals and acting conservatively. You are attentive to your long-term financial security, actively saving money and watching your expenses so you can accumulate wealth and live a comfortable lifestyle, not just now, but also in the future. Well, I hope that's good because that's my biggest fear, not being good with money. Mm, So is this supposed to be like what we should be doing now or is it like the energy that it's saying we do embody right now? It could be either one. It depends, I guess, how it applies to you. It also suggests that you're placing too much value on money and material possessions. You may be attached to material things, allowing possessions to become your life. I think it's about balance, doing both, not being in scarcity, but also, you know, not being overly gluttonous with spending. Yeah, I feel like in the last few years, I was just telling Erica before you hopped on that we made a big move a few years ago for lifestyle reasons we were trying we were in the bay area california and we just felt like we were in the rat race you know just trying to make money to pay those ridiculous mortgages and we kind of we moved to bend oregon which is a really like outdoorsy like get to go out and play in the snow in the winter and in the lakes and the rivers in the summer and housing prices were a lot lower we went remote for working so we don't have the three-hour commute anymore and we, our money can do more for us. And I feel like it's been a three-year journey to now we're just starting to realize what we moved here for and just starting to relax a little bit more into our new lifestyle. I'm sure that like definitely makes the quality of life better, you know, making that decision, doing it, and then trying to chill in it and like see how it, you know, how it affected you guys and how you can chill. Whereas I'm sure in the Bay, it's expensive as hell, just like LA. Yeah, it is. And it's starting to get that way here, too. I think everyone has had the same idea and is also moving here. So true. true. (laughs) Hence the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But let's get into it. Who are we? What kind of personality styles do we have? Yeah. So teach us about us. (laughs) Oh, I'm ready. I'm super excited. Okay, so Myers-Briggs kind of looks at two main things. It looks at how you take in information and it looks at how you make decisions. And it's divided for listeners who, you know, you've probably heard of various personality type models. This one is denoted by four letters. So like my type is INFJ. And for each of those four letters, there's two choices. And so we're going to be looking at those two choices today. And it's not that you are only one or the other for each. So like, I'll start with the first one because it's it's the most easily accessible for people. The first one is introversion or extroversion. And We're not trying to say that you only do one or the other or that you're only good at one or the other, right? Like I'm someone who prefers introversion overall, but here I am interacting with you guys. I went to podcast movement. I can get there in my outer world and I can connect with other people and I can do that extroverting. But what we're looking at is which one's most natural to you, which one takes less energy, which one is just kind of more instinctual versus the opposite 
usually takes us more energy. It's more awkward. It's more frustrating, maybe more draining, more tiring. And so with all the Myers-Briggs choices that we're looking at, that's what we're looking at. We're not saying you can't, you can only do one or the other. Mm. Just which one gives you more energy. Got it. That makes more sense. So you guys want to dive in with introversion, extroversion? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Okay. So do you guys already have an idea like right off the bat what you are? Can you be both? Well, all of us do both, but there's one for everyone that's more natural. Think of it as being right-handed or left-handed. Okay. There's one that from the beginning of your life, you just, you reached for more than the other. And we continue to, although we may have trained ourselves on the other side as well. I think in my life, even as a kid, like I was an extrovert. Like I liked to be, I liked to be the center of attention. I liked to perform. I wasn't really shy. I mean, in some way, in some time, in some ways I was, but I, I wasn't really. I think as an adult, I've become more introverted. So, but I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I've been like not feeding my extroversion soul enough. <laughs> if I'm thinking about like how I remember myself as a child, I would say extrovert. But but if I, you're thinking of yourself now, you're thinking more introvert. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have an off the bat answer, Mila? We'll go more into it. But I'm just curious if you guys have a first reaction. I think I'm for sure an extrovert. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's in my nature to like be chatty and talk to people. And, yeah. Like start conversations. I mean, it doesn't mean like I don't get nervous about stuff or like have anxiety about stuff. But like it's more in my nature to do it than to. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't always necessarily have to be social either. So the concept of introversion and extroversion in Myers-Briggs is whether you prefer to orient yourself to your outer world or orient yourself to your inner world. Do you get more energy when you're orienting yourself to your outer world, which can be people, and for a lot of extroverts it is, but it can also be things and doing and and like interacting, whether it's, you know, sports or building things with your hands, like being in that outer world. Or are you more energized from your inner world of like thoughts, ideas, emotions going inward, which is where I really get my most energies. For me, it's when I go inward, it's different for every introvert. For me, when I go inward, I'm thinking about like the deeper meaning of things. I'm thinking about the future, putting together ideas and plans. And that's where I feel like if I don't get enough time doing that during the day, I just get really drained. If I have to be in my outer world all the time, talking with people, getting things done, racing from place to place, that is just exhausting and draining for me. That makes sense. And then it looks a little, can I tell you, can I do like a little brain a little brain explanation of this. I'd get a little nerdy when we start to get into this stuff, but there's a researcher at UCLA who put together this study where he actually did EEG maps of people's brains. And he looked at like the different regions of the brains and when they light up and compared it between different personality types. And with introversion, extroversion, he noticed a pattern in the different ways that we use our brain. I'm not a neuroscientist, but this is my general understanding of this, is that we have these two areas like in the front of our brain, in the front of our neocortex that light up when we are acting or deciding. So we're making a decision, we're acting, Those these light up. And then the back of our brain, there's a bunch of regions that we use to reflect, to consider, to analyze, and those light up when we're doing those things. And he noticed that People who use extroversion, when there's an input, when he asks them to do something, consider something, when they're doing something, this front part of the brain lights up first. So the first thing they do is act and act and decide before they go to the back of their brain to consider or reflect. 
Whereas introverts, it's the opposite. The back of their brain lights up first to consider, to reflect, to decide, to analyze, or not decide, to consider, reflect, analyze before the front of their brain lights up to act and decide. And so what you see is more of a hesitance, a observing before you jump in or a thinking before you speak. You know, like if you think of like a class of kids and you ask them a question, you know, the, the ones who prefer extroversion are ready to just share because they're acting and deciding first. Whereas the kids who prefer introversion, there's going to be a long pause and a wait because they need to use the back of their brain first. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I've never heard it broken down that way medically, but that, that makes sense. So when you guys think of your brains, which one do you think you're using first, the front or the back? Did back. you ever get that like foot in your mouth feel? Okay. We got back for Erica. I probably do a lot more acting than I do considering. <laughs> <laughs> then the considering comes later. Yeah. A lot of times people who prefer extroversion, they'll say that actually a lot of speaking out loud for them is how they do their thinking. So they're thinking as they speak rather than thinking before they speak. Another way that you could, if you're trying to sort this one out, you could think of spending an entire week in one world or the other. So if you think of spending your entire week in the world of extroversion, of like interacting with people, of interacting with your outer world without being able to go to your inner world, and how does that feel versus on the opposite end, if you spend the entire week in your introversion world of the inner world of thinking, reflecting, you know, whether it's like reading, listening to music, which one tires you out faster, which one, probably none of us want to spend an entire week doing either one, but which one is just going to get you faster where it's like, oh my God, I need to go to that other world. For me, it's if I'm with people all day long, every day, like, oh, I just can't, I just shut down at a certain point. I get more tired in the outer world, I would say. Um, yeah, I love being around people, but it's like I do get drained easily. I think literally this week I spent the weekend with friends and I literally feel like I partied for like 10 days straight. I was like, what the fuck? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm like, And like I feel that way kind of often when I'm in like heavily social situations for extended periods of time. Also, like if I'm alone too long, I'll feel drained as well, too, because I could sit in my thoughts all day long and fucking think all day long. My brain like doesn't turn off, which is a problem, mm. a blessing and a curse. So I don't know. I don't know. How, like, I don't know. It sounds like that's a normal state for you, though, to be in your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You can't turn it off. So maybe that introversion there is what you lean toward. Maybe, Versus yeah. not being able, I've maybe Mila is someone who identifies as an extrovert, maybe feels like she can't turn off the interaction. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I do get more energy from the outer world. But I think as I get older, I'm realizing like how draining it is. We did go out for like two days and I did feel like it was like a hardcore party weekend. We literally went to dinner twice. I was like, whoa, that was, whoa, I was went crazy. <laughs> so I guess, yeah. I feel like as you get older, you generally try to find more balance. You know, like you, even if you mm -hmm. are an introvert, you'll step out of your comfort zone. You'll go to a mm -hmm. podcast movement because fuck it, why not? You know, like mm -hmm. you'll maybe push yourself to seek that balance a little bit more. Like I'm an extrovert, but I'm like, sometimes you need to sit the fuck down. You've done enough talking, you know? So it's like, 
I think as we get older, we try to find the balance and more things and like stepping outside of our comfort zone more naturally. Yeah. Sometimes people who are in their middle ages and beyond can be some of the tougher ones to type because they have started to find more of that balance between these two opposites. So a lot of times you need to look at like the pattern through your life because we're looking at who was I born as rather than who have I trained myself to be. Well, how do we go about knowing? Are you going to ask us a series of questions or are these the questions? Are you like judging this is me it. right now? I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, am I answering these right? I don't know. I'm scared. No, Myers-Briggs <laughs> is best done when you choose the type for yourself. Oh, okay. So I like to talk you through what it all means. And okay. then you guys are doing the inner reflection of which one sounds more like me. Okay. Because I feel and like I I'm can like, give, you guys I, want, you want some more specific examples? I mean, I feel like I'm like, I'm kind of like this and kind of like that. I'm kind of both. So yeah. I'm kind of. And I'm like, is she going to be able to tell? I'm going to be like all the letters. <laughs> this is why I was so triggered yeah. during that interview because I was like, I'm both, okay? I, who can answer these honestly? I'm everything. <laughs> I was so frustrated. <laughs> I'm inner outer, okay? Yeah, it's more of a reflection of which one is more natural and right. which one is more of an effort, right? So we're doing that reflection. But I can give you some more specific examples on one side, on the introversion side, do you tend to reflect more before responding to questions? Or are you the type of person that responds to questions immediately? I think it depends on if it's like emotional, because I can be very reactive emotionally. And then if it's not, if I don't feel emotionally invested in it, then I'll take my time to react, which I probably need to like do that more. I think of my mother, she's really patient and like thoughtful when she, well, maybe not with me, but with everybody else, when she thinks about things. And I sometimes can be abrasive, I've been told. And I'm not good at hiding my feelings at all, ever. Okay. If you can't tell. (laughs) So I guess I would say that I'm pretty quick with like, I guess I respond quickly. I'm not super duper, like, I don't really take the time all the time to really like, Think I have a friend who literally, when we have conversations, it fucking drives me crazy because we're talking and he literally takes 500 years to answer a question. Like, I see him look up and they say that geniuses like look up a lot when they're like processing and thinking, and that's what he does. And he's borderline genius. And a conversation with like three questions lasts an hour because he is so intentional attentional about how he responds to things. About how he responds. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm yeah. just like, bleh, bleh. Yeah. And then sometimes, <laughs> okay. and then sometimes I'll be like, let me think of this. Okay. You know what? I don't, let me make sure that I'm being thoughtful. But I think for the most part, I think when you have a podcast too, I mean, we have a podcast because we're, we are kind of like quick on our feet. We react yeah. quickly to like questions and sometimes they're good answers. Sometimes they're not well thought out. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I I do a podcast also, but that's a challenge for me, thinking on my feet and responding right away. And so I love that I get to control and edit my own podcast because I take out the longest silences. And with my co-host and I, I'm always like, wait, hold on, let me think about that, how I want to say that for a minute before I say it. And then I get to just cut all that out and everyone thinks I responded right away with the the most intelligent answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were talking about this earlier, Erica, but also... On the introversion side, usually people are more contained and harder to read. Whereas on the extroversion side, you get more nonverbal information, like gestures and facial expressions. So even if it's not verbal. Oh, I'm, I've always been told I'm hard to read, so I must be an introvert. 
Okay. But you also said everyone knows exactly what you're thinking. So then well, that would be they, easier to read. I think they don't like, they're like, they don't know. They know that there's something going on. They're just not sure what it is. Like, is she mad okay. or is she, what is she thinking over there? And I think it's just, they know that there's a mood happening. They're just not mm. sure what it, the mood is and why. I think I've always been told, like, I mean, I have resting bitch face. It's a fact. And I've been told that I'm hard to read and that I'm intimidating. So I don't know if that's, you know, because I'm an introvert or if that, you know, but I've heard that my whole life, pretty much. Okay. It's more hard to read. Uh, It also seems like you get drained faster by your outer world. I was hearing and being socializing. When it's not an emotional reaction, you feel like you think it through, unless it's an emotional reaction. So I'm hearing more introvert vibes from you, but maybe not 100% decided yet. What were you going to say, Mila? Oh, <laughs> nothing. I was just going to say I have resting kind bitch face because no matter where I go, people start talking to me <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, I must look so friendly because I was not inviting this conversation at all. But now I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> I must just give off a very kind, bubbly bitch. Please speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Myers-Briggs letter that is, but <laughs> maybe we'll get there. <laughs> we need to call Meyer. We need- There's no KBF, kind bitch face? No? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of. I haven't learned that one yet. <laughs> all right. So I want to make sure we get through all of them before the end of the recording. So I'll move on to the next one. And you could put a question mark for the first letter if you want, or we can, or I don't know. It, it seems like, Mila, you feel pretty strong on the extrovert. Yeah. And uh, Erica, maybe kind of split. Probably leaning more into introvert with a dash of extrovert. Just a little sprinkle. And sometimes this can take, it can take, you know, I mean, we're doing it this in one podcast session, but really it can take a long time to kind of reflect and pick your own type. So, you know, this is a journey and it doesn't have to stop here, but you can consider to continue to reflect on this afterward. Okay. So then the second letter pairing or choice that you make in Myers-Briggs is how you take in information from the world. And on one side, we have sensing. People who prefer sensing, and and that's denoted by an S, tend to prefer details, facts, and practical applications. Okay? And then on the other side, we use the letter N for intuition. Prefer to deal with theories, ideas, and the big picture. And so when you think of like um, sensing, which is the details, right, facts and the practical, those people see the trees. And when you think of intuition, you zoom out and those people tend to see the forest. I am both. I need the facts and I need my intuition because the facts are the facts. And when you say intuition, what does that mean to you? Because sometimes these words don't mean exactly what we are used to them meaning. People who prefer sensing, they focus on what can be experienced and verified, whereas on the intuition side, they focus on patterns, meanings, and interconnections. I think I'm more intuition. I mean, I think I always I consider facts, mm-hmm. but I generally am very intuitive in my decision making. And anytime I'm not, it's fucked up for me. You feel like you've made a bad decision if you don't? Yeah. Anytime I consider the facts and I make decisions purely based on just facts and I ignore my intuition, which might be contesting the facts, Mm -hmm. I generally regret it. Okay. How about when it comes to, you know, when I always tell people, whenever I read an article on something, you know, whether it's like, say the headline says you shouldn't eat dairy anymore. 
it's not a very catchy headline, but we'll just pretend. I always like I read it through and I pay attention to the details and the facts in the article. But when I get to the end, for me, I just remember the main takeaway. And then I'll bring it to someone else and be like, hey, I read this. Or this is incredible. Like, we really shouldn't be eating dairy anymore. And they'll be like, well, why? And I'll be like, oh, you know, I read it and it made sense at the time, but I don't remember the details of why. Because I'm more intuition. So I remembered that big picture idea and then I want to apply it to things, but I forget the details. Mm-hmm, that's me. Yep. That's, that's me you. too. That's mm-hmm. oh, so you too. Okay. We might have two intuition. My stomach is going to tell me, girl. My stomach is going to be like, <laughs> you shouldn't be eating dairy. We don't need to read an article. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a no. I've been told you. <laughs> Another thing you could look at for sensing intuition, people prefer sensing. They like to take a step-by-step approach to things. They also like to be kind of told, like, here's how you say, like, I don't know, when it comes to doing a, you know, a project for work, like, here's exactly how I should do a podcast episode. Number one, I learn how to do this. Number two, I do this. Number three, I do this. Number four, you know, I put it out there and it's out there. Whereas people on the intuition side, they prefer less details of how to do things so that they can create their own way of doing it i like to make my own way i'm a mixture of both in ways i am a researcher and i guess i do look at things and be like okay i know that worked that worked and that like for example because i'm always thinking about like marketing and stuff and i'm always like okay that impacted me because of this and this and that how can i apply that to my business Mm. how can i apply that to my life in my own way so it's like, like I said, like I always do consider the facts, but ultimately mm-hmm. it always falls back into like my intuition, which I think is like the overlaying layer and then like facts lie under that somewhere mm-hmm. under the surface. Yep. And again, this is something that all of us can do both things and we kind of have to do both of these things mm-hmm. to exist in the world. But generally there's more comfort with one or the other. And so I'm with you guys. I have more comfort with the big picture and the meanings and the theories. And I love thinking about new ways to do things. And then sometimes, you know, we have to be careful not to lean into that too much because have we just recreated the wheel? Has someone else already done it better? And sensors are really good at bringing it back to like, here's a really good model that someone else has already done that we can follow. And they prefer to do things in experienced ways and ways that things have already been done. Bring, Bring things forward into a more repeatable. Right. Do you guys both feel like, yeah, you feel like intuition on this one? Yeah. Um, I think intuition. Yeah. So let's end with you. This one's really interesting because most of the the letter pairings are you find about approximately half of the population on one side and half of the population on the other side. But this one is unevenly divided in our population. It's actually 65 approximately, please don't quote me on that, because I'm not details, right? 65% of the population is on the sensing side, whereas 35% of the population is on the intuition side. Yeah, I was going to say that makes sense. A lot of people are, are not using their intuition. Yeah. And I love knowing that because for one, and this is part of why I really like using Myers-Briggs with kids, is when we recognize something in our kids that's maybe not in conjunction with the rest of the world, we can see that, hey, they may not fit in in one way, but they also have this special gift to bring. And to recognize that in ourselves, mm-hmm. that you know we are the people who are the innovators as in people who use intuition. We want to look at new ways of doing things. We're really good at connecting ideas and theories, and that if we didn't have that in the world, you know, nothing would ever change. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with like what you're saying with like the astrology things, like just approaching 
your child in a different way. And like I always say, mother yourself like you'd mother like your child, you know, like when you can see your mm -hmm. child and see these amazing gifts that like maybe they're mm -hmm. not like traditional, but they're here. You can often offer that type of like tenderness and gentleness to yourself, too. Yeah. So this was a big thing for me that I struggle with in my parenting. I don't know about you guys, but as far as I know, it's just human nature, right? We all compare ourselves to other parents out there. And something that I think sensors are really good at that I'm not is the daily practical details that need to be taken care of in a home. And that's something that's really difficult for me, like getting you know, dinner on the table at the same time each day, taking care of the practical tasks of keeping the home neat, whatever it is, those things are more of a struggle for people on the intuition side. It takes more effort. It takes more of our energy. We're more drained by that. And when I find myself comparing, I feel lesser than. But when I see the gifts that my intuition brings and that I have a different gift that I can bring to my children, I can look at the deeper meaning of who they are and bring that out. I have a different thing that I can provide them with my intuition, then that can help me feel more, you know, going with my mantra at the beginning of the episode, more like I'm worthy as I am. Mm -hmm. Thank God, because I was just thinking I was lazy. I know, like, oh. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Fuck, this is, I just cleaned like one day ago. Do yeah, shit again. I gotta do it again. I, I know, right? That. Like, yeah, take <laughs> Look, I do it, but I don't like it. I got to do the dishes again. I just did them. I just fed you. I just made you dinner <sighs> yesterday and That's the day the biggest before one. that. I'm like, God, we're all hungry every day. So fucking annoying. <laughs> like five <laughs> times a day, like six times a day with the kids. I'm hungry. You're hungry. Everybody's fucking hungry. Half my fucking life is just feeding people, including myself. I'm over it. <laughs> okay. And my daughter, she's the same age as your guys' daughters. She's a very she'll eat a lot of different things, which is great because my son's picky and that's hard on a whole nother level. But she will get into this maybe at the end with what her Myers-Briggs type is. But she is like kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a foodie. I don't know, the kid kid version of a foodie. Mm -hmm. So, but she wants her food to be like exciting and so tasty and like a variety of things every time. And she won't pick what she wants. She wants to be surprised. So she'll be like, I'm hungry. And I'll be like, what do you want? I don't know. Surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? I got to go through the kitchen and like make you a surprise meal every two hours. I can not surprise me. Wow. I love that. I'm she, use I, that. Oh my God. My daughter said surprise me. I'm like, girl, you ain't going to be surprised. The same shit you got uh, yesterday and before. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> my daughter eats this. She'll never say surprise me because you know, she only, she, she's she does not want to be surprised. She does not want to be mm -hmm. surprised at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get that to that one on the last letter. People who like being surprised and don't. Okay, so we're going N for you guys. Let's move on to the third one. And this one has to do with how we make decisions. And again, it's really important to keep in mind, we all do both of these things. And in order to make good decisions in our lives, we have probably learned how to find at least somewhat of a balance between these two things. And the labels that we use for this is thinking and feeling, but just erase from your mind the standard conventional definitions of thinking and feeling. It doesn't, thinkers aren't people who think or are smarter more any more than feelers and feelers are not any more emotional than people on the thinking side. We all have emotions. This is, has nothing to do with intelligence level or anything like that. On the thinking side, and we use T to denote thinking, are people who prefer to step outside of a situation emotionally when they're making a decision, making their decisions based on a purely objective logic. And this can be any decision from like, 
what you're going to wear in the morning to what you're going to respond to someone in the middle of a conversation to bigger life decisions, like, am I going to make a career change? And then on the opposite end, we have on the feeling side, we denote it with F. We have people who prefer to step into a situation emotionally, making decisions based on either their own feelings and values or the feelings and, and values and desires of those around them. So a really good example on this is like that friend you know who you can always count on to tell you like it is, right? Like they're not going to sugarcoat it. They're going to, that's on the thinking side. On the feeling side, you have that friend who's always there to build you up. Like no matter how bad you look, they're like, you look so great. Go get it. Because they're they're taking your feelings into consideration based on what to decide what to say. I think that I'm on the other side. What was the other side called? Not the feeling side. Thinking. T. I think I'm on that side, but I I think I've learned that I have to sh- like my delivery has to be a little more gentler because mm. or else whatever I'm saying doesn't matter. Like it won't. Mm. Not that it doesn't matter, but it won't receive it. Receive it, yeah. You know, so I mean, I am pretty straight up and I'm pretty honest about, you know, it's my friends about whatever it is that I'm being honest about. But I think that, you know, I I definitely hold my hold back in ways and I try to encourage my friends too because I I know that like, you know, everyone is going through their own shit, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. is like farther along or farther behind and like you can't expect everyone to be like where you're at Mm -hmm. or they can't expect you to be where they're at. But I would say I probably lean more on, on the on the other side of that. On the T side, yeah. It sounds like I really like how you worded it that you have learned that you needed to soften things up so that they can be received well. Because a lot of times one side for us is a learned skill and the other one was the natural one. I'm a feelings type of gal. Um, I'm honest, though. I'll keep it real with you. Like, bitch, no. But I'm going to hug you, you know. I think mm. I'm, I'm an honest, but a feeler. I, a lot of things come from my feelings. Yeah. Let me give you guys some specific examples of this one. I'm, I hesitate on using this example because, again, like as, as adults, we kind of evolved, a lot of us have learned to balance this. But you think of like when you're going out to dinner as a group and deciding where to go. And you have you know, one person who has different eating preferences, maybe they're a vegetarian or whatever than the others. We have on one side, the actually, you know what, this is getting into a little bit, a deeper level. There's actually two different types of feeling. There's people who are more like guided by their internal values. They're kind of like march to the beat of their own drum kind of people. And like, they're not going to compromise what they're doing to like fit what other people want. And like, how, do, how much does that sound like your guys's podcast, right? Yeah, it sounds pretty much, I guess, yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> and then you have a second type of feeling that's more external facing. So it's more like these people have a hard time making decisions that will go against what other people want or need or desire. And we call that extroverted feeling, which is more the type of feeling I use. It's more of like a people-pleasing type of mm. feeling. And as we grow and mature, you know, we have to learn how to balance that so that we are still honoring ourselves. Yeah, I can people please. I'm not a people pleaser. Have you ever just been too damn high? I have. It's funny you may ask because today I went to the back to school meeting and I was just too damn high. 
Dadgrass is organic smokable hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind so you're not foggy and shit when you're trying to talk to teacher Mary about your daughter's progress and reading and math. It's literally like drinking some wine but not the whole bottle. I personally love Dadgrass. It gets you there but not too, too, too there if you know what I'm saying. And Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash gmbc. All Dadgrass products are federally legal for ages 21 and over and ship right to your front door anywhere in the U.S. That's right. You can get anywhere. That's amazing. Anywhere, girl. Literally anywhere in the U.S. It's discreet. It's right to your front door and it will chill you the fuck out without taking you over the moon. So go to dadgrass.com slash GMBC for 20% off your first order. Happy smoking. So, you know, I'm a vibrator connoisseur. As you know, I've talked about it a lot on our show. And so when I find a toy that really fucking hits the spot... You know, I got to share it with you. Have you guys heard of the Satisfier? It is so amazing. They have this air pulse technology and I don't know what the fuck it even means. All I know is that it's bomb. Damn, I'm gonna have to get me the Satisfier. Girl, and not only that, they have this app. It's the Satisfier Connect app. You can connect your vibrator to the app and you can fuck your favorite song. Literally, it will buzz and vibrate like your favorite song. Your lovers from across the country, the globe, can use the app and control your vibrator. It's just amazing. Wow. And right now, Satisfier is offering our lucky listeners 30% off any Satisfier when you go to Satisfier.com and enter promo code GMBC30. Again, if you're looking for one of our favorite new devices, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com and use GMBC30 for 30% off. You're welcome. I'm like, oh my God, you're sad. I can't. Like, she's going, mm-hmm. like, she's sad. I can't not do it. Or she needs yeah. to I, I sound like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a people pleaser. I don't, not connected to my feelings. I'm an introvert. Like, what the fuck? Big, am I letter B on Bri- Myers Briggs? <laughs> like, <laughs> B I T, no. <laughs> F-B-I-T-C-H of the I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, because I, I don't really identify with people pleasers. I, as a people pleaser, I don't think. In some ways, maybe in relationships, sometimes I can be, mm, mm. not anymore. But, uh, no, actually, in fact, people pleasers irritate me a little bit because. <laughs> Because I just feel like it takes away so much of yourself by being a people pleaser. I think it's a gift in ways, mm-hmm. but then sometimes I see my friends and, and I'm like, you got to think of yourself first. You got to like, mm-hmm. you got, you have to, at least I do. You know, I feel like that's the only way I can like survive. If I'm constantly considering other people, like I'm never going to consider myself. And so I, was a, I, I don't mean to like generally put like a blanketed statement like that, like people pleasers irritate me, but there's, I guess there's parts of that that like I just don't understand I guess is what I'm saying I don't understand I and so for me it feels very foreign and when I see it I'm like what what are you doing (laughs) yeah and for me it's the other way it's something that with wisdom and with age I've had to learn how to even recognize my own thoughts and opinions and feelings on everything because I take on other people's needs as my own that sometimes I forget that those aren't my own needs yeah I can identify with that Generally, that comes, I think people pleasing in general comes from like kind of wanting to feel validated in childhood or seen. 
that's what I've heard or like and so it's so subconsciously like woven into your personality that you almost feel like you're finding joy in helping someone else or pleasing Mm -hmm. someone else and you have to really like do some inner reflecting to be like I'm a little irritated why like I agreed to do this you know, and it's like you have to really evaluate: Are you doing it because you you should, or you feel like you should, or because you genuinely want to? Because you have to sit with it, and if you're not happy, you'll feel depleted or have a little a bit of an attitude about it. And it's like you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Yeah. So I can I, I I totally can agree with that. I understand that. I have a good podcast movement example here. Oh, this is like getting revealing some of myself. So. To get to podcast movement, I was talking to Erica before we we got started about how I've been transitioning over the past two, three years. I was a stay-at-home mom, and then I've been transitioning to starting my own business, and it's been some growing pains. And I things have blown up a little bit more for me over the last couple months, and so it's been a lot more intense trying to figure out how to transition to, you know, mom works, mom travels now. And to get to podcast movement, here's what I did to make it easier on my family. I drove my kids eight and a half hours to my parents' house. And so that my husband wouldn't have to deal with like driving them to camp and whatever else while he's working. And then I, because my parents live in a small town, I had to take two or three different planes to to get to Nashville, travel for the whole day. I was there for two days. I didn't want to be there for too long, even though it was a four day conference. I stayed for two days because I don't want to put any hardship on anyone else. Then I flew back and I get nauseous on planes. It's just like miserable travel day. Um, And then I drove my kids eight and a half hours back home. I think you told me this when I saw you and I was like, what? And then I got home and I was exhausted. And then I actually got a call for a job that I was really excited about. And I was like kind of trying to like cram to like get everything I needed to get that job. And my husband got kind of upset with me because he was like, hey, you've been gone for like five or six days. And now you're like all up in work. And like, what about me? Kind of a thing. And I got Instead of getting like, oh, what do you need from me? Like, what I don't understand and talking it through, I got like super resentful and angry. I was like, do you know what I just did for you? I drove eight. I went through that whole that whole story of I did this and this, and I'm exhausted now. Like, I need a break now. And he's like, wait, why did you do that? I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> and I was like, it was for you. Um, but he never told me that I needed to do that. That was me trying to take other people's needs on as my own. And not only that, but trying to guess what I thought their needs were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, you didn't even have to do that. And you really put yourself in and like stretched yourself out more than you needed to when he probably could have figured out the camp thing. Yeah. And then I couldn't be anything that anybody needed because I was overexhausted at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what women do. So, I mean, like a lot of times we do that. Moms, women. Yeah. For sure. I've definitely done some shit. I've definitely done some shit because I just (laughs) didn't want to be a burden. You know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my child to be a burden, me to be a burden. And I could have just, you know, said, hey, this is what I need. Yeah. So that I can go to podcast movement and not be fucking exhausted. Damn, Sandra. (laughs) I'm not, I didn't do it again. So I learned my lesson. I just went out of town for eight days. I did not, I just let my husband handle, not that I didn't like, you know, help out here and there with getting things prepped but he just handled the kids for eight days and guess what they were fine too they survived everybody's alive (laughs) everyone survived somehow they the kids probably didn't shower for four days but it's fine they did not (laughs) (laughs) who who cares you weren't there to smell them i mean (laughs) okay so we've got uh it sounds like mila on the f for feeler 
Erica T for thinker. So we've got, we're almost there. We got ENF for Mila, INT for Erica. But of course, this is a journey and you may change your mind after this episode. But okay. So the last letter pairing here that we're looking at is J and P. And again, I don't want you to get locked into the conventional definitions of these words. These words, Carl Jung, who's like big guy in psychology, he's the one who kind of created these labels and they don't mean what you know, these conventional words mean. So for this one, it's J for judging, and it does has nothing to do with being judgmental. Or P for perceiving is the other side. And this has to do with how we approach our outer world. And on one side, you have on the J side, for people who prefer judging, they like to put control over their outer world by planning, by deciding, by structuring. And then you have people on the other end, on the P for the perceiving, who prefer to take the outer world as it comes to them and just fit into it as it comes to them by staying open, flexible, and spontaneous. B. (laughs) I had a feeling. Or P. Is it P? Yeah, P. It's P, yeah. (laughs) But B, you know, A or B. B. Yeah. Wait, can you explain the first one one more time? Yeah. So people who prefer to have put control on their outer world by deciding, by structuring, by planning. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Nope. I had a feeling you guys both, both might be on the piece. I think I can be, I can, I need a little bit of structure. I do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, I don't like rules. I do like organization. I'm just not good at doing it. But I like, I love a clean, organized situation. I think because I was raised by two, what's the other one of the letter? Not P. J. My mom and my grandmother, J, to the maximum. So that rubbed off on me in some way. So I do, like, I appreciate structure. It's just not top of mind. I wish I was more structured because I feel like my life would run more smoothly. Mm-hmm. But I just can't wrap my head around and stay consistent consistent in it. I just needed a, a, an assistant, a live-in assistant. I need my assistant <laughs> to camera. Can you move in with me? <laughs> If I get another room, <laughs> I'll give you the master suite, okay? <laughs> I know. You know what? I like structure. I was just going to say, like, I want, like, hopefully my husband's a J, and then he can just, I can just listen. And then sometimes I won't listen, and that's okay. But <laughs> do the structure for me, and I'll probably love it. I'll love it. I'll love to be home and dinner's made. <laughs> I love to be, tell me what to do. But also, don't plan too much. I dated a guy who was a Virgo. He's a fucking J. And I never met someone who planned so much. Like, he did so much YouTubing before we went to the actual place. I'm like, nigga, you already, you already went. You already went on YouTube 500 <laughs> times. How much can you fucking plan for the outer world? Like, chill the fuck out. So, I mean, I do appreciate structure, but I'm probably not the one going to make the itinerary unless... I have to. Yeah. Then she'll Canva queen it. She'll make a whole beautiful presentation on Canva. And then I will. I will do it. And then I'll be happy doing it. As soon as Erica tells me three times. I really admire people who are on the perceiving side. Just wish that I could just like take the world as it comes. And instead I'm like, no, I need to plan and envision how this is going to go. And then I need to make it go exactly that way. Nope. Don't tell me what's happening on the news. Don't want to hear it. I'm living in a bubble and I'm doing great over here. I'm lovely. Everything's lovely. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No idea. No, I have a friend. Well, we have two friends that are both Capricorns and there's like 
I don't, and they're both busy. I don't know when the fuck they find the time to make these spreadsheets and these charts and these lists. <laughs> I, like they'll pull some shit I love out. Spreadsheets. And I'm like, when did you make this? And I'm like, at 4 a.m. Like me, except I'm trying to like, you know, I'm at before a.m. because I have no structure and <laughs> trying to figure some shit out. Versus them, they were tucked in bed at 9 p.m. because they made they woke up at 4 a.m. To do the, the Excel sheet. <laughs> and now they're asleep before nine. Yeah. Yep. That's me. I um, It's when you talk about deadlines. I, I just did some workshops with high schoolers last week. So high schoolers are really fresh on my mind. But we do this activity where we say, okay, you have this big project due for school. And we can think of it as work also, right? But it's worth 50% of your grade. And you have 30 days to do it. Are you the person who gets started on day one? You know, day seven? day 15 or, you know, day 30. And like, I have them stand in a line on that line. And a lot of times you find people who prefer judging more towards the first half because they feel like they're going to have it hanging over their heads, right? They need, they want to get it done and over with so it's not hanging over the heads and then they can relax. And it's really hard for people who prefer judging to relax before the to-do list is done. On the perceiving side, they tend to mix fun, their work with their play more. They can do a little bit and then they can relax and then they can do a little bit and then they can relax or they can do it at the same time and it's not hanging over their head in the same way. And they actually, a lot of people who prefer perceiving and I cannot relate to this at all. So you guys tell me if this resonates with you actually feel like they get better work done in the end because of that like rush to complete. You know, as I get older, I don't necessarily agree, feel that way. But you, when I was okay. younger, that's <laughs> definitely how I felt. And I, I was that person that was writing like my 12 page paper, like three days before <laughs> I started like page one through three. And then on the last night finished uh, nine pages. So, and I usually like, I got pretty good grades in, in school. And so I was like, this is working out for me. Like, this is great. I actually retain more information under pressure. But then once that's done, that information literally leaves my brain because I've put my so much stress onto my brain that it's like remembered every single day. Like I couldn't, I was like an, a history genius in high school. I couldn't tell you shit about anything now because. Oh my God, me too. I was in AP history. <laughs> me too. Don't know shit. Don't know fucking shit. Like about American history. I'm like, what? Oh yeah, the tea party. That but they're like, but you got an A plus. I'm like, because I memorize a photographic memory and then it's gone because I had to then make more space for the other black last minute paper that I was writing or learning. But now as an adult, I would say that I think that I still can deliver, but I just know that if I gave myself a little bit more time, I would be less stressed. And I know when I'm less stressed, I actually am more creative. So I don't know. It's a kind of like, I feel like um, it's something that I know that I, is not working for me, but you know, like we're kind of talking about like how we parent ourselves and how we feel like, oh no, this works for me. This is working great. And then like, it's like, is it though? Is it working great? No, you're stressed out, you're tired and it's not working great. Um, so and that's why this and is now we have, we're also writing the paper of our lives. Like right <laughs> now we like actually honestly have deadlines for a 200 page paper that is so important to our life in our career and as a creative piece of work and we're working with like a big publisher so it fucking matters that you show up and do a good job because we're authors bitch but also like you can't turn it you can't write 200 pages at the last hour no and like 
<laughs> you know, so it's like, no, it has not worked. This is not high school, bitch. And you, we have to like, I'm realizing even with like saying the word perception, it's so crazy because I am a feeler and like, I do receive information a certain way. I have to be motivated a certain way. So it's like, I could go through my whole life, like doing, getting shit done good at the last minute. But like, as I get older, it's like, if someone tells me the right thing, if I hear it the right way, then I can shift my entire, like, how I act, how I respond based on knowing, like, you can get better, you know, like my, it could just take one comment to change my perception to be like, okay, let me get this done differently. Oh, I was, I thought you were going a different direction with that, but the, these letters work together too. And so when you combine the F with the P, which you have both an F and a P, right? Those people a lot of times feel like in order to get good work done, they need to feel in the mood for it. Like the setting needs to be right. And um, my co-host is actually, she's an FP, she's an INFP. Um, but she's always, she was like, she was like, my big adult lesson this week was that I don't have to like feel like doing something. I can still do it. I don't know if that resonates with Wait, you. Wait, no, it does. I don't have to feel like, like, like I'm doing Just because you don't feel like doing it doesn't mean you don't have to do it. And that's my big thing. Like, sometimes, like, bitch, it's not about if you feel like sitting down. Like, you must sit down and do it. And, in fact, mm-hmm. if you actually do that, you will produce because you've made yourself do it. It's not about, like, feeling in the mood to write and, like. I might not. I might not produce. I don't know. I've tried to force. I can't. I can't force. Certain things I can't force. They're just. Mm-hmm. I will literally. My, like, I'll just. No. Fall asleep. I'll do fall you, asleep. Do you feel like you? I'll literally fall asleep. I'm suddenly <laughs> exhausted, and I need a nap, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times for FBs, it's about like setting setting the stage, right? Like you said, me like lighting the candles mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. doing maybe the meditation first or whatever is, is you need to do to set that mood for producing. Whereas if you have on the opposite side the TJs, which we don't have any here, my husband's a TJ, but for them it's just like nose to the grindstone, get it over with, and then you'll feel good, you know, and that's the motivation to get something done. So it's just a different mechanism that you have to work with. So, okay, I did, we didn't go heavily into that one because it seemed like you guys just knew right off the bat <laughs> which side you were on. But so if this, you know, short typing session is correct, we have Mila as ENFP and Erica as INTP. And again, I encourage you to continue your journey of this discovering your type past this because it's more than just like surface level pick really quick. Wait, I'm ENFP. Yeah, ENFP and then INTP for Erica. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about your types and your superpowers and what you need and all that. Tell me. Tell me. (laughs) So there's a deeper level to Myers-Briggs that most people don't usually know about because it's, it takes going into it a little deeper. It's more than just these surface level, like introvert, extrovert, um, intuition, sensing. And what happens is when the letters combine, there's something called cognitive functions, which is just like one level deeper. And we each have kind of two cognitive functions. It, I like to use the analogy of driving a car. You have these functions that are driving your personality car. So if you imagine like a family in the car and you have someone in the driver's seat, that's your driving function. They have the most control of the car. They're the most comfortable behind the wheel. And then you have a function in the passenger seat that's also an adult and so they can navigate, they can give directions. Maybe if things are going awry, they can even reach over and control the wheel if they need to, right? But they're more of a passenger um, and they, they take a little bit less control. So that's going to be your second function. 
And then in the back seat of your car, you have a 10-year-old and you have a three-year-old. And those functions are, if you think of kids in the back seat of a car, maybe the 10-year-old can give in- instructions on how to drive to their school, but other than that, not going to be of great use. And then the three-year-old in the back of the car might even be like a deterrent to safe driving because they're shrieking or you know whatever it is. So we have functions in the back seat of our car too that are more, way more of an effort for us and can even trip us up in our life. So let me tell you guys about, about your, your functions in your personality car. And this one, this is interesting. If so, Mila, your driving function is something called, it's called, the technical name is extroverted intuition, but I call it imaginative intuition. And Erica, that's actually your passenger. Oh, okay. So you guys both have this function in the front of your car, but it's just more dominant for Mila. And it's um, more of like a kind of backup, keeping things moving for you, Erica, but it's not your dominant. Mm. And what this function is all about, it's um, it's super like pushing the boundaries and pushing the norm. It's about getting thinking outside the box and making connections and exploring new ways of doing things. And so, I mean, that's incredible that you guys can come together and do that, first of all, in your business, which we see, but also in, in the unconventional way that you guys have come together to parent, mm-hmm. right? And when we think of like gifts that we bring our children, what a gift that you've brought to your children to be, have found an unconventional way to provide them a fa- you know, a, a family, like normal people don't think of a family. It's not like mom, dad, and, you know, two kids, but yeah, true. also you guys are probably great at encouraging your kids to think outside the box and think for themselves and find new ways to do things, problem solve in new ways. So what this function needs, you guys, for self-care is lots of opportunities to explore and to do things in new ways. I don't know if you found that the pandemic was especially hard for you in restricting those things, but that's something that needs to be a regular part of your life. And the fact that you guys have worked it into your careers really means that you're probably getting a lot of what you need there. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like the pandemic was uh, at first very hard for for me, like emotion, like it was, it hit me in a, in a way I wasn't expecting. I had so much anxiety, but then it just allowed me to find, to really tap more like a hundred percent into what me and Mila do and which is constantly like creating new things and meeting new people. And I guess, you know, pushing boundaries, I guess. And that fulfills me so much that, um, yeah, I feel like being able to do, being able to, I always tell like everyone, like you, this experience in podcasting and in the journey with Jamila has shown me that like you absolutely like if you don't love what you do like I don't know I could never go back now like it's so important for me to be able to love what I do and also intertwine with my life in a way too like wellness is part of my life and it's part of my brand and it's part of Mm -hmm. my lifestyle and it's something that you know I'm evolving through and I get to like you know work on myself while you know, speaking to women and, you know, gaining perspectives and even talking to you today and learning about myself. Like this is essentially like I'm learned like I'm it's my job right now is to learn more about myself, which is crazy, mm. like to tap into myself. But <laughs> whatever that whatever that uh, I'm sorry, what was that was the N in it, right? Yeah, it's your. It's basically when you combine N with P, N with which P. both of okay. you guys have N and P. Yeah. Mm-hmm. N and so P. that's your so that's. Erica, it's your co-pilot, it's your passenger mm-hmm. in the car, and Mila, it's your driver. Mm-hmm. And it's a very external-facing function. Like, it's 
exploring with the outer world, exploring with other people and getting out there. And then let's do, uh, since we did Mila's driving function, let's do Erica's driving function. It's the technical name is introverted thinking. I call it precise thinking. So people who use this function, they like to, they kind of have it. It's not about logic as far as like outer rules and systems of logic, which is more like the TJs are more about like, what are the rules? What are the conventional? What are the, um, you know, can we look at it like a chart or a graph to describe this? It's more about an inner sense of logic and making sure that you are accurate, accurate with your understanding of the world. And so um, these people tend to be pretty good problem solvers. And then when you combine it with your, with your intuition function, solving problems in new ways, they tend to be really good at recognizing their own way of thinking, really good at recognizing their own thought patterns. Mm. So this is actually, it's my third function. So it's my 10-year-old <laughs> in the backseat. <laughs> so I actually really like using it. It's sometimes our third function is where we go to play, but I'm not very good at it because to me, it's like, I, it's hard for me to, to go just with like purely objective logic, right? Like I have to, you know, look, what, what do other people need? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so being able to spend time finding frameworks of logic that you can integrate inside of you is something that is very energizing for this type. So even something like that, like astrology is like a framework for understanding something, being able to put frameworks to understanding everything in your world is something that introverted thinkers or precise thinkers like to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Mila, your we haven't done your person in the passenger seat yet. Mm-hmm. So your passenger seat is something called the technical name is introverted feeling. And I call it resonant feeling. So it's all about, I think we talked about this a little bit, but that being driven by your inner values, being in touch with what truly matters to you and living life authentically through that. And it's a function that can have really deep compassion for other people because these people tend to feel so deeply themselves. They're so in touch with their own emotions. They understand, they see the individuality in other people and that they can have deep emotions or deeply different experiences from one another. So a lot of times... Yeah. A lot of times people with this type to find themselves in careers where they're fighting for and helping people who can't necessarily help themselves. So whether it's children or animals or the elderly or something like that. My co-host leads, this is her driving function. Mm. Um, and she's, she's found herself going into politics mm. to be able to fight for what she thinks is right. And she started off as a politician herself and now she's finding she would prefer to be on campaigns and help boost other people up but that's cool yeah and so again that type needs to be able to go into their feelings and sit with their feelings sometimes and that might be a stretch for you mila as someone who prefers to be oriented to your outer world that sometimes you need to take that time to check in and be like what's going on for me inside am i acting in line with what, what i'm feeling for sure i think that's where i'm at like currently in my life Um, The need of feeling like I need to go inside a bit and sit with myself. And it's been challenging because it's not in my nature per se. Like it's not what I'm generally used to doing, but I'm feeling in my spirit that I need to do that. I've been called to do that. But um, just, you know, again, finding balance in that and finding comfort in things that may initially be uncomfortable. Yeah. So tell me, do you guys want me to go into your backseat functions? I know we're at, we're at over an hour. Are you guys interested in continuing backseat or should we wrap it up and save it for another time? Um, wait, I don't know. What do you think, Mila? I mean, I think we can, we might, we were here, we might as well. 
I'm interested to know. Now I want to know. <laughs> I'm interested in my in my baby because that, that's the one that you said can be, also can be like a nuisance. I need to know. Yeah, let's do the baby function. The three year old in the back seat. It's interesting. They call it, a lot of times people call it the blind spot. Sometimes we aren't even aware how much it trips us up. But sometimes we have like a unique relationship to it where we're very attracted to it. We might go through periods of time where we're really going in hard on it in not always the most healthy way. Mm. Or we can be really attracted to partners who have our three-year-old in their front seat. Mm, makes sense. We see someone else Feels doing like, it I well. I feel like a woman, women do this a lot, put their three-year-old in the front mm. seat. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they have it, then they get a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Mila, your three-year-old in the back seat is something called introverted sensing, which I call preservation sensing. And it's a people who use this function, this is actually the most common function in Myers-Briggs to lead with. And for you, it's your it's your three-year-old. So my my dad leads with this function. People who who lead with this function are really good at consistency and routine. They're good at taking the past and bringing it forward. So creating lasting routines that they do each day, maybe slightly improved each day. They're really, they generally become experts at something. They, they're the people who stay in the job, the same job their whole lives. They're my dad who got dinner on the table at the same time every single night. Wow. He's a genius. <laughs> um, I, fuck. So that means I have hope. There's hope. I can bring my three-year-old a little bit more to the front seat if I just tend to my three-year-old in the back seat a little bit more. I have the wherewithal to do stuff consistently. You have it in you. It's in your car. But also with the the self-knowledge and self-compassion that when we are trying to use our backseat functions, we are stretching. We are more exhausted. We are having to do something that's more uncomfortable and tiring for us. And so you know, trying to work in the routine where it's most important to you, but having compassion that you don't want to live your whole life like that because that's going to exhaust you. So don't ever get organized. <laughs> Mila, <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you can be exhausted. <laughs> She'll be clean though. No, you just got to find, just, we're going to get you someone to do it for you, boo. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's um, also sometimes just recognizing that, like, we need to outsource our our backseat function. Yeah, sometimes. we're getting your backseat function, and we're going to hire her or him, put him in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can, you can marry your backseat functions, or you can hire them. Oh, yeah, true. Mm, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to hire them because then you don't have to like butt up against wanting to do things in completely different ways from one another. Yeah, in and life. then I can get out of the car every now and then. I'm like, oh, get out, please, get out of my car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, uh, Erica, you want to hear your backseat function? This is funny because it came up earlier and it it didn't occur to me at the moment. Uh, Maybe because we hadn't finished your type yet. So for INTPs, their backseat function is called extroverted feeling, which which I call um, relational feeling. Mm. And this is about finding what other people's needs and meeting them. What is doing stuff for the good of the group? It's when you said you hate people pleasing. I mean, that's that's essentially what it is, right? It's like bringing harmony to the room by taking in the vibe of what someone else needs and being what they need for them. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, I guess I have. Look, I, look, you're not a bitch. Well, it means that it's hard for me to do that, though, and I don't tap into that often. Oh, oh, you. Sorry, never mind. It's false. Just alarm. like it's hard for you to find organization, and you don't do it all the time, but it's possible. Yeah. But it feels it's uncomfortable, possible. and uh, yeah, I guess it does feel uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to sometimes. I guess not choose myself because I feel like you do a disservice to yourself when you do that. Not that you can't obviously consider people and take care of people and nurture people. But I guess I definitely have a a very clear hierarchy of like the things in my life and the people and I'm number one. And I don't, I don't think I've always been that way, but like, Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, yes, I have. <laughs> and when I wasn't, I was like very sad and like tired, like tired. Mm. But I know that that's good to know that like, I mean, I know that like I can tap into that and I am like a loving and giving person and a nurturing friend. But I also know that like I've had to learn how to, uh, I guess, even learn how to express emotions to, I think I'm trying to say is that. For example, like women, me and friendship, my friendships with women have blossomed over the last, I'd say, four to five years based on this podcast and based on just like understanding like um, just how to like be more vulnerable in spaces like like this and in general have opened me up to that mm. three-year-old in the back seat more. Mm. Yeah. Part of this function is recognizing that disclosing about yourself helps with connection and helps other people disclose with mm. you. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so these are totally accessible parts of ourselves, but with, you know, you think of them as like the vitamin you take each day, not the meals and like routine that you're keeping each day. It's like, you need to make sure you have a little dose of your three-year-old each day to stay in balance, but don't expect yourself to do it all the time because you're not going to be in your, you need to do what fills you up, which is what's in your front Mm. seat. But that's sometimes we need to go to our backseat to balance and make sure that we're able to maintain relationships, that we're able to maintain our own physical health. For some of us, things things in the backseat affect our physical health mm. and all that. Are our 10-year-olds harder to access but a little more easy to access because they yeah. are more verbal? Exactly. So it's a little easier to access than the three-year-old, but it is still something that can create a tension point. Okay, so now like, I, want, um, now I want to know my 10-year-old real quick. Okay, okay. Let's do the 10-year-olds. <laughs> so Mila... Your 10-year-old in the backseat is something called extroverted thinking, or which I call effective thinking. And it is getting, putting control over your outer world to uh, make it run smoothly. So it's um, delegating. It's making that to-do list. It's putting things in motion that will create long-term progress. I like long-term progress. Yeah. And a lot of times we... There's all these little like complications and stuff that when it comes to type and nuances, but a lot of times, sometimes we actually skip, we, we love our, we love our front seat our like our driver, right? We love that function the most. Sometimes we actually skip our passenger and go to our 10 year old instead because our 10 year old keeps us in the same extroverted or introverted world. So if you're an extrovert, your 10 year old keeps you in your extroverted world. And if you're an introvert, your 10 year old keeps you in your introverted world. So sometimes we skip our co-pilot because our co-pilot actually makes us go to the opposite world. So like for, for you, Mila, you know, you're as an extrovert overall, if you wanted to use your co-pilot, your co-pilot was introverted feeling. You have to go inside to see how you're feeling, but your extroverted 10 year old extroverted thinking keeps you in your outer world doing and getting things done. 
So sometimes we'll skip over that when it's really important that we actually make time for that co-pilot or the passenger. Wow, this is so interesting. It's like the horse, what you call it, Erica? Like the, the astrology of the cerebral? The cer- cerebral. Yeah, it's like cerebral astrology. Uh, That's a great, yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay, and then Erica's 10-year-old is, let's see, your first one's introverted thinking, your second one's extra intuition. So your third, your third place or your 10-year-old is the same thing that was Mila's three-year-old, which was the introverted sensing or I call it preservation sensing. And it's about routine and it's about um, taking care of the practical needs. And so this might be something that maybe you skip over your extroverted function to come to this place. Mm, probably. Of creating the routine. And sometimes people who use this in a less healthy way can get stuck in sameness when what they need to do is go to their passenger seat and explore and do things in new ways. That's so cool. It's interesting. It does give you a different perspective on yourself. I have a question. Can you use Meyer Briggs? Like, not Meyer Briggs, not can you, but like, would you say that there's different um, personality types or I guess for like people that maybe struggle with addiction or I don't know, like certain things, like how does this, like, do they take into consideration like trauma that's happened or occurred or mm. these just like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, is this, can it be used? I think so. Can it be? We're born with our type. Our type stays the same through our lives. However, how we express it can change based on traumas, based on life experience, based on how much self-growth we've done. And it can be a really good lens to look at things like addiction through. So like there, any type can become addicted, but there are different reasons mm. why you might become addicted and maybe different things that can help you out of it. And understanding your type can help you with right. that. Can you change or is you like this is... This would be it forever. Like there's no, this is like, it stays the same. This is in your true nature. Just like your natal chart. Yeah, this is is, like how I have to like reason it in my brain. This is your, it's your true nature. And it doesn't mean you can't change as a person, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. Maybe not completely different, but I have changed a lot. I have grown a lot, but I still have these same tendencies. I've always had a tendency toward introversion, always had a tendency toward intuition. I've always had a tendency towards feeling, and I've always had a tendency towards judging, but I can learn to stretch to the other sides in different ways and grow, grow all of my functions. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like being right-handed or left-handed. Like you're always right-handed. Even if you train your, even if you break your right hand and you train yourself to use your left hand, once your right hand heals, you're probably going to go back to it because it's just still more comfortable. Yeah, that's true. Wow, this has been so insightful. I'm so interested. I'm going to do more research on I wrote my um what what the hell am I supposed to call this thing? <laughs> your micro your Myers Briggs. I know, you, but you like on your Myers Briggs evaluation. Evaluation. Your type, type down. Oh, your type Myers Briggs type. I type down and it's I'm going to do type. more research on it because I feel like I maybe it's the uh what is the what is my 10-year-old? It's the 10-year-old in me. I need to understand this more and have put structure around it so I can better assess this and my recent natal chart reading <laughs> and how you going to apply it to your personal life apply it to my personal life because you know I like life's mysteries but I also like to get a peek inside the future and who I am in some way like okay not the future but like just a better understanding of like hmm, if all these things are true then you might fall this over on this part of the spectrum or this part of the you know the space so it's so interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through all of this and 
you know, explain everything so thoroughly. I think it's really, really interesting. I, I want to encourage everyone to go take their Meyer Briggs evaluation and find out and message us. Let us know what you guys are because I'm interested to know now. I'm like, yeah. And I just want to caution people. You, There are lots of quizzes out there online and just you can take the quizzes because it's fun, but don't rely on your result because the quizzes are not great at being mm. accurate. It's a lot more about that self-reflection and really understanding the model and really understanding yourself. The quizzes are a good start, but never, ever take that as truth. Mm. So what's the best way to then do it is talk to somebody like you that really... Yeah, just mm-hmm. like this or to really do yeah, the research you can yourself really to ask understand me, the you, model. Like, we can really break it down and share personal experience and really get a true understanding versus just a one-word answer that determines, you know... So so when you're taking, I mean, everyone has that experience when they take those quizzes where it's like, I'm both of these or it depends. Mm -hmm. And so being able to talk that it depends through with someone is is really helpful. Yeah, that's true. So where can um, all of our tribe find you? Yeah, I'm Family Personalities everywhere on Instagram, Facebook. My podcast is Family Personalities. Um, I have a free download if people are interested, like if you've been thinking through this, what your child's type Mm. is. I have free download to start trying to figure that out at familypersonalities.com slash downloads. I'm actually creating an online course right now where people can figure out their kid's type. Uh, It's not done yet, but you can go to familypersonalities.com and get on the newsletter. And I will notify you through that when it's done awesome that's amazing i gotta find out luna's do you find that people like are in relationships like there's a combination of specific relationships that are common together or like i mean i know you said sometimes your three-year-old is in the is 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 someone you date who's in it like i wonder how how common and true that is you know like that we find I've seen every different pairing. I think sometimes we're attracted to our opposites, especially when we're younger, I would say. My parents are a complete opposite of each other on Myers-Briggs. My dad is ISTJ and my mom is ENFP. Um, And they just like are at each other all the time because they just don't get each other. But they also balance each other out so well as a partnership in life because one of them, their strengths is the other person's weakness and vice versa. So you kind of see it all over the place. I've seen people who are the exact same type together. My husband and I, I'm INFJ, he's INTJ, so we're very similar, and we our driver is actually the same. And I think we connected because we really, uh, that main thing that drives our car, really, it's, a, it's also the rarest function in Myers-Briggs, and we both happen to drive with it, and so I think we connected on that level. Hmm. It's so amazing. Well, like now one day when I find a partner, I'm going to be like, what's your natal chart? What's your Myers-Briggs? I need to know all of them. <laughs> You need to do Enneagram next. That one's what great is it called? Too. Enneagram. Oh, you guys haven't heard of Enneagram? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so good. It's There's seven numbers and it's basically, uh, I'm not trained in Enneagram, but I just love it. It's basically like kind of the defense mechanism that you walk through life with oh. or like the, your core motivation that like developed when you were younger and you carry it forward in your, your shadow life. shadow self. <laughs> it's like it's deep shit like I found I found my type in it I think I mentioned it, it like broke me and then I had to put myself back together but I've grown so much through understanding mm, it interesting okay and well, a good one okay. yeah I talk about that one on my podcast too though I'm not trained in it yet yet okay uh, she's coming I can't wait I can't wait go get that go go find out so you can come and tell us again okay <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us and giving us better perspective into who we are. I will see you guys next week. You know where to find us. We're at good moms underscore bad choices on Instagram. 
and goodmomsbadchoices.com on their internets. We just launched our retreat dates for 2022, so check that out. And if you have amazing things, and if you haven't already, sign up for our Patreon because we have a lot of cool stuff over there. And that's patreon.com backslash goodmomsbadchoices. See you guys next week. En la noche, solo puedo recordar la luz en la calle de las estrellas, como bailamos en la gran ciudad.